Welcome to the Innovation in Government show sponsored by Kerasoft. Each month we'll talk with industry experts who enable innovation and make government more responsive and secure by advancing key technologies. Now here's your host, Jason Miller. Welcome to the discussion. My guests today are Laura Grant, the head of digital innovation for public sector at SAP, and David Vernon, the senior human capital management application specialist also at SAP. Laura, David, welcome to the program today. Hi. Hi, thank you. Before we get started, let me set some context for our discussion. White House Special Assistant to the President, Matt Lira, recently was asked at a conference, what are your top priorities? Lira, whose main job is working for the Office of American Innovation, said simply, technology and fixing their underlying processes. He then expounded a little bit further, saying, we need to improve citizen-facing experiences. If we don't fix those underlying processes, then we are just putting a Band-Aid on a wound. It's an interesting response for several reasons from Matt Lira. First of all, the White House's draft IT modernization strategy has a strong cyber flavor, but it includes no mention of citizen services or the improvement of those citizen services. Now, comments on that draft were due in late September, so OAI, OMB are now reviewing industry and others' input. So it could be a few more months until we see some a final strategy and see what changes come, especially around citizen services. In the meantime, agencies continue to go down a well-worn path to move off legacy technology and onto modern platforms. Agencies are expected to spend more than $2 billion on cloud computing this year, and that figure is only expected to increase as agencies go to cloud in the coming years. The Departments of Commerce, Homeland Security, and Treasury are the top three civilian agencies who are buying cloud services, according to the State of Federal IT report from the CIO Council that was published in January of 2017. And there's still plenty of opportunity around cloud, too. OMB sent a government-wide goal of 15% of all agency systems to be in the cloud, and according to that January report, no agency has reached that mark yet. But it's more than just moving to the cloud, it's re-looking at the business processes behind these mission areas, and how can they be optimized to serve the citizen better. And that's where data analytics, a strong eye toward mobility, and of course the use of Agile or DevOps all can play huge roles. So how can agencies bring all these initiatives together? Well, that's why we have our guests today. They're going to tell us everything they know. Once again, my guests are Laura Grant, the head of digital innovation for public sector at SAP, and David Vernon, the senior human capital management application specialist at SAP. Let me turn to Lauren first and get a little bit of understanding about this IT modernization effort. Uh, what are some of those trends that you're seeing around technology modernization? When we talk about IT modernization it's important for the government customers that we're talking to to really understand this is that opportunity to not just modernize the systems. It's more than just upgrading those systems, moving off of legacy systems, repeating those same the same look and feel of the legacy system in a new, more modern software package. This is a, a perfect opportunity for the customers to rethink those business processes. How do you take a business process that is maybe 10 steps today and get that down to two steps. The agencies are, are really expected to do more with less. So this is a great opportunity for them to rethink those business processes, make them more efficient, automate those. And then once they, they're able to do that, then they should also think about, is this modernization effort, is this an innovation platform that I can continue to modernize with down the road. Because technology is changing so rapidly, you have to think about those technologies that are going to let you bring in new functionality down the road and new innovations that we can't even imagine today. So I think it's, it's kind of twofold, thinking about those innovation technologies that are coming in, but also rethinking the business processes. So some of those innovations, you know, things that are 
coming into the enterprise and into the business processes are uh, machine learning, artificial intelligence, blockchain, chatbots, bringing chatbots into the enterprise. We have digital assistants at home. Why not have those in the enterprise? Why not talk to your financial system? Why not talk to your supply chain system, your HR system? These chatbots leveraging machine learning will then become kind of smart assistants. So as you ask questions of your chatbot over time, the intelligence will step in and start telling you information that they know or that they think you might want to have access to and, and act upon. So that is really what should be considered as a part of this modernization effort, thinking about not just modernization, but is this an innovative platform that we can leverage in a rapid, agile way going forward? So there's a couple of things. Let me pull on the strings a little bit there. I wrote a story just in the last month or month and a half or so about lift and shift. Are you basically saying lift and shift maybe is okay for some things, but but that should not be the only thing you're doing. That shouldn't be the only vision you have from an agency perspective. Absolutely. It really should be taking advantage of this opportunity to simplify some of those processes. Some of those processes have been around for 30, 40 years. I, I would challenge every agency to ask why you're doing some of those steps and what's the outcome that's expected and is there a way to do that in an automated fashion versus just repeating those processes in a new system this is a perfect opportunity to actually bring the analytics into the same system with the transactions and what the value of this is from the functional community perspective is you now, from a financials perspective, no longer need to do trial balances, no longer need to do as many reconciliations. You've got all of these systems together in one spot with the analytics. So the time spent doing the countless hours of time spent doing a reconciliation, month end, quarter end, year end closes and trial balances will go away. This is, we're talking about closing every day. The transactions are live. The analytics are live. So when there's there's a huge business process change happening right now, and, and the government can really take advantage of this and really save a lot of, of manpower hours. Um, because again, like I said, they're, they're really being asked to do so much more with, with less resources. And this is one of the ways that they'll be able to do that. From a supply chain perspective, there's a lot of time spent in the planning process, weeks and sometimes months in planning. When you have your analytics in the same system as your supply chain system, you can do planning every single day. You're no longer planning based on old information. You're planning in real time and, and you're really running the government in a, in a live situation. You, you've got real information. I want to bring David into the conversation. David, uh, one thing that uh, Laura talked about was chatbots for HR. Now, your specialty is uh, around the human resources side. Talk a little bit about where you're seeing this modernization effort bleed into the HR side. We can talk workforce all day, but from a technology, from a, if you will, a business process side. From the federal standpoint, we're not seeing chatbots yet, but we are seeing a big push to the social networking and more communications going on between the actual employees and the management staff to get them more engaged and to get them more productive and make them feel like they're more 
uh, part of the organization. So we see that move down there. Now, Laura gave me an example yesterday that I thought was to die for. It's like Alexa, you know, Alexa and Siri. And to be able to walk into your office as a human resources specialist and say, Alexa, give me my head count as of today. And that would be able to do that. That's where we're looking and that's where we're going. And that's where I see HR can take advantage of a lot of these things that are coming down the road. And one thing when you talk about Alexa walking in and you're not walking in, but you're walking in and asking Alexa right. or Siri or whoever, what is the today's headcount? You also can help you plan, meaning if you take advantage, if you see someone who's been absent multiple days, oh, is there something going on in that person's life that we should know about? It gives HR a much richer idea of what's happening with the workforce. And, and that means better morale, hopefully. It means better productivity, too. Absolutely. And when you think of that, having that capability, understanding that I came from an era that everything was pen and paper, and to have that ability to get to that uh, information or to do that planning and to bring in the uh, worker into the organization that tight knit, I think it is a major that we're going to see coming down the road. From a res human resource perspective as well, one of the things that we're, we already have available today is leveraging machine learning to remove bias in the recruiting process, as well as um, doing resume matching. So some, some two very, still very manual processes today that happened in the HR community and leveraging machine learning to automate that. So some huge uh, advantages there. Well, you almost stole my question because I was going to ask, what are some of those trends that are starting to emerge, maybe on that cutting edge a little bit? When you talk about AI and, and machine learning and you talk about even something like chatbots, are, are agencies yet asking for these things or they're not just quite there yet? They're asking a lot of questions around this. They're starting to do a lot of exploration. They're information seekers. So we're having a lot of conversations on this. Uh, I would say... What's really a buzz right now is, is blockchain and, and the customers are really trying to understand um, what those use cases are, how does it work, what does this mean, which is, is interesting because it's allowing us to change the conversation around the business processes. When you're using a technology like blockchain, you really explore the existing process and, and how blockchain could really, really change some of that. So. Same thing with like machine learning. You're seeing machine learning kind of creep into our personal life. It almost is sneaking in there. And you're going to see the same thing happen in the enterprise systems. It's just going to start being embedded in these technologies that are truly innovating. And all of a sudden, you're not even going to realize it. But there's machine learning behind the scene, you know, really making your job easier. One of the interesting things you talk about when blockchain, and I've been to several conferences over the last month or so, and that seems to be a pretty hot topic. Let's just give our audience a quick definition of blockchain. It's one of those new technologies I'm not sure people know about. It's really all about ensuring identity. It's ensuring authentication. Just give us the, the 50,000 foot view. Right. So blockchain is, is leveraging a, a distributed ledger of information um, across a network in a trusted fashion. And I think that's why it's so appealing when there's a lack of trust and a need for a network, this is really an interesting technology um, to use. And, and the use cases um, continue to build. But I see a huge push in the federal government. Usually the government is, is a laggard in adopting technology. But with blockchain, I wouldn't say they're the complete um, on, the, on the forefront, but they're definitely 
considering it for several use cases. So we could have said the same thing about IPv6, and unfortunately that <laughs> fizzled around, but we won't get into that. David, let me ask you a similar question. When you look at trends in the HR, human capital, human resources world, when it comes to this modernization push, again, it doesn't necessarily have to be technology, but some things that are enabled by technology, what are some of those modernization trends you're starting to see across the government? We're just moving into that, not meaning the federal government, because I've been with the, supporting the federal government for the past 20 years. And um, there seems to be a lot of interest in cloud-based HCM, especially with it has to be uh, configurable, it has to be easy to use, it has to be mobile. Yes, mobile. Mobile's a big thing. Uh, everyone's interested in mobile. They don't know how they're going to use it yet because the federal agencies are different how they handle mobile. We see this a lot more in the private sector and uh, commercial. Uh, they are faster to adopt these uh, new technologies, but we're seeing it now come into the federal government. There's a big interest in that uh, area of HCM. And it's interesting you talk about the the, cl the trends of cloud as it kind of creeps into HR. That is the one area where you could, one could argue that needs some modernization help. It needs some of that technology infusion so I can do my time and attendance from my phone. Are agencies get the sense that agencies understand that need, or is that being maybe a bottom-up push from the employees who are asking for it? Now, I think the agencies are seeing that need. The difference is the systems that they have currently 20, 30 years old. So that's less, a lot of them are homegrown. Some of them are off-the-shelf software. But it's the way that they're used to doing business. So they're just learning what they can do now with the newer systems. Now, I think millennials are pushing more because they we have five generations in the workforce now uh, for the first time ever. And millennial, they all work differently. And millennials, they want to be able to, like you said, go to your cell phone and enter transactions or access data without having to be in the office. They can do it on any mobile device. So I see that moving. And I think employees are pushing them a little bit. Interesting. Now, we'll blame the millennials on something else. And that's a good time to take a quick break. My guests today are Laura Grant, the head of digital innovation for public sector at SAP, and David Vernon, the senior human capital management application specialist at SAP. I'm your host, Jason Miller, and you're listening to Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Tune in on Tuesdays at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. for the Innovation in Government show sponsored by Kerasoft. Learn from industry experts who enable innovation and make government more responsive and secure by advancing key technologies. Innovation in Government examines a wide range of topics and evaluates their payoff. Cybersecurity, big data, mobility, cloud computing, and more. Innovation in Government, Tuesdays at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 a.m. Search Innovation in Government. We live in a hyper-connected world. Never before have people, organizations, and objects been so intimately linked. And this widespread digitalization shows no sign of slowing down. With SAP Solutions, you can take the helm in an era of digital disruption by combining transaction data with emerging technologies like big data, machine learning, and IoT. SAP's solutions provide the data-driven insights needed to predict, react, and respond to issues live. Learn more at sap.com slash public sector. Welcome back. You're listening to the Innovation in Government show sponsored by Kerasoft on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are Laura Grant, the head of digital innovation for public sector at SAP, and David Vernon, a senior human capital management application specialist also at SAP. 
Before break, we were talking a lot about the, the IT modernization trends and the need to really change business processes. Let's shift a little bit. And, and David, let me start with you. The workforce is the key piece to this. Uh, there was a recent CIO survey that came out, and every part of that CIO survey talked about workforce, workforce, workforce. So, David, you're the workforce expert on our panel today. Talk a little bit about what's happening, what's different today beyond the fact that we're all getting older. I'm not. No. You maybe. Okay. Well, you're the lucky one. No, you're, right. You and Peter Pan. That's right. Uh, when we talk in the federal space and actually industry in general, we've seen a lot of change. Of course, I've seen a lot of change. The aging workforce is an issue. Uh, we had a recent GAO um, report, I think it was in the past year or two, uh, that indicated that 34% of the federal workforce, total federal workforce, are eligible to retire uh, by the year 2020. Now, when you think of that, and you're thinking of just the federal workforce, that's an enormous amount of people that you're going to have to recruit, you're going to have to train, you're going to have to hire them and get them onboarded, that type of thing. So that's a big undertaking. Now, granted, not everybody's going to retire at the same time, but it is something to start planning for and looking at. We've also seen a move away from men in the workplace, not just men in the workplace. We have more women and more minorities uh, sharing space in the workplace than ever before. So and everybody works differently, so they have to adapt to those changes in the workforce. We also have generational differences. I, we mentioned earlier that there's five generations in the workforce now for the first time ever. Each one of them works differently. So the federal government needs to have systems in place that supports how the uh, generational work habits are different. I think that's a great point about the five generations in the workplace, because one of the things you've seen is this push for, and this goes back to maybe what Laura was talking about, the online help, whether it's, hey, I have a question about my veterans benefits, I can do a chat or chat bot. But they also have, remember the old Pueblo, Colorado call for information, and, and, and GSA has been very good about not getting rid of their phone numbers, knowing that people work differently. How do agencies keep that in mind as they're planning to, to improve their services? Let me, let me start with David on the HR side, then Laura, you jump in. We see agencies looking towards employee service centers knowledge bases where you can go in and search for maybe it's questions or events about benefits that have occurred so they have a knowledge base and they can go and search and answer the question themselves but they also have the service center that you can reach out and touch somebody and they can help you that way as well so we see them looking to move into that area more and, and laura from your perspective when you start talking about the modernization piece and business process change, you, that also has to play into this workforce slash improvement to serve the citizen better because there's multiple generations out there to, to serve the citizen. Correct. And it's the same thing. It's how do you provide services via a portal or via an application or an app on a phone that really meets the needs of the citizen? A, a citizen shouldn't have to understand your organization and how it's structured to navigate your portal. Same thing with an application. The application should push that information forward to them and make it easier to consume. So really leveraging you know, mobility and the cloud and these portals, and as well as keeping some of these call centers around so that we meet the needs for each of these different aged citizens that are out there as well. You reminded me of something. The citizens shouldn't have to understand how the government's organized. And, and back in the Bush administration time, they talked about three clicks to service. And, and that really begun this conversation of citizen services. And the progress has been 
slow. And I think part of that reason is we could blame money, you could blame technology. But again, it's the people, it's the understanding. Uh, so David, again, as our HR specialist on this one, is there a training issue here too that has to play into getting the workforce to move in, in a specific direction? To get the wor- workforce to move, I, w- I would say yes. But the way the technology is today, it's more intuitive. So you don't have to have a lot of training in order to get into a system and do certain items. And I can give you an example off the wall, which is kind of like the recruiting processes in the federal government. We talk to a lot of agencies and we talk to a lot of applicants and they feel that the um, recruiting processes in the federal government right now are like archaic. They're too... Too many clicks. You have to have to do too many clicks in order to even to apply. There's no uh, connection to the social network. There's no feedback, no timely feedback. So you can put in your uh, resume to apply for a job and you may not hear anything back. And then there's an extended time in order to hire that individual. And I can give you from my own experience because I used to work for the government. And I put in my resume and I did not hear anything back for nine months. So it took nine months for them to make me an offer and to get me onboarded. So they need to actually fix that process. And we've seen this in the papers recently. They are looking at fixing that process. It's faster in the commercial world where I can actually make an interview and make an offer to a person sitting here right now and have them start today if I wanted to. That won't occur in today's federal world. Uh, Laura, jump in. Yeah, and I think one of the things that is is so critical in the reasoning why this needs to get fixed is it's just it's a competitive workforce it's a competitive marketplace out there right now young talent coming into the government we have this need for programmers we have a need for data scientists we have a need for analysts and they don't want to work on old technology they constantly want to work with the newer technology they want to work in in iOS javascript python those types of technologies they don't want to work in cobol so in order to um, capture this, this, this workforce that wants to work for the government because they want to support the mission, they still ha- they want purpose-driven work, we, we have to make that hiring and the application process better because otherwise you're going to lose, they're going to take the job that, that gets offered to them. And if the government is taking nine months to offer a position, they're going to lose the, the talent and we can't afford that. And I think that's being recognized in the government, though it's been recognized, I think, for the last 15 years right. that the hiring process is, is broken or at least needs to be uh, severely improved. Uh, the CIO Council is having a hiring fair in, in early November where they're kind of pre-qualifying people through the resume process and then getting those interviews and potentially doing some spot hiring. So it's good to see some innovation, if you will, even though a hiring fair is not necessarily innovation, but some movement in, in that direction. Laura, what's the technology side of this equation? Like you mentioned earlier about machine learning and, and resumes and machine learning and dealing with applicants. Are there other technology side to help the workforce, whether it's recruiting or training? So I think the thing that the CIO councils and, and they're talking on this language, it's it's really about doing innovation on the edge. So you're going to modernize your back-end systems, your HR systems, your supply chains, your finance systems, but you need to also have an innovation platform that's going to allow you to do this innovation on the edge. It's going to really allow you to bring in the machine learning, bring in blockchain, bring in artificial intelligence, um, and, and allow that to be a part of the overall innovation and modernization process. 
but it's this continuous innovation that um, these innovation platforms need to to provide because we I can't tell you what's going to come out next year in technology, right? It's changing so fast. It's very exciting. But if you could, we could all be rich. I know. So <laughs> why can't you? I, I will try. Okay. <laughs> but you're that, right. That question was asked of me uh, by a CIO once. What, what's coming next? Yeah. What do you predict in the next 10 years? Well, what did you say? <laughs> I said, I can't predict tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. It's, David, talk a little bit about the other trends that are kind of looking into the future. Is, is, you know, if we have this conversation a year from now, what are some of those other trends that you think are going to start to take hold around HR? Well, I know one of the areas that's really big in the federal government is they want a a better, newer, more modern user experience in the when uh, employees log into a system. So we see that com- that's already here, and we can do that now. So it has to be friendly, it has to be flexible, and it has to be so that you don't have to have a lot of training for the individuals so that they can log in and, and get to things without a lo- having to go to a lot of training. We see also a, a push Increased interest, I guess, would be better for employee engagement. It used to be when I worked for the federal government, I had a job, I did my job, and I went home, basically. Now you want those employees to be engaged. And you engage them because, especially like a new hire, you engage those employees because you want to get them involved in the organization, up to speed, and productive as quickly as possible. That's good because it helps the employee feel that they're contributing to the organization and that they're being heard within the organization. And we cannot discount the value of an employee feeling that they are contributing to an organization and they're being heard because when they feel that way, they stay. And when they stay, that does nothing but improve the retention for the agency. And it also leads them down the path of that modernization piece because they start looking at business processes because they're engaged, they understand it, and they go, hey, what if we did it this way? And someone goes, oh, we never thought of that. Lars, we're almost out of time. So similar question. What's the takeaway from our conversation? But also, what is where are we going? What's the big trends? So I think that the trends are what we, we had talked about, right? Bringing in machine learning, blockchain, chatbots into the enterprise, into these back-end systems. But the enabling technology is is mobility and cloud, right? Because the, the government is starting to embrace the cloud. We're seeing the mandate coming down from Secretary Defense Secretary Mattis and making it clear that Department of Defense needs to take aggressive steps toward embracing kind of commercial cloud technologies. And um, they're creating a, a DOD cloud steering committee. But now things are changing because the technology, it's secure it's safe, it's proven. They realize this is the way they're gonna to have to do things um, in a to, to, to keep the budgets under control and to continue to innovate. And then I think the mobile technology with the, the new workforce is really another uh, driver in this that's really um, kind of shifting this, this move to rethink business processes and, um, and modernize all of, all of the systems. All right, this has been a fascinating conversation. There's a ton that you left us to think about, especially chatbots and Alexa for uh, government employees. But unfortunately, we're out of time. I'd like to thank my guests, Laura Grant, the head of digital innovation for public sector at SAP, and David Vernon, a senior human capital management application specialist also at SAP. Laura, David, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. 
You've been listening to Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft, on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsradio.com and search innovation. Thank you for listening to the Innovation in Government show, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. The entire discussion can be found on demand at Federal News Radio, keyword innovation.